Amen. Different people may describe the darkness in different ways. But it might go something like this. There's no joy in life. The things I once loved to do don't interest me anymore. It seems like nothing, nothing makes me happy. Or maybe they might say, I can't focus. Making decisions, reading, or even watching television are all taxing. I, can't, I feel hopeless. I, I, I feel hopeless. I can't imagine how things could even get any better. I feel terrible about myself. I'm such a failure. I can't get a good night's sleep. I'm always tired. I don't feel like doing anything. Those aren't all the symptoms of depression, but they are some of them. And there's probably some people in the room who know firsthand how that feels, or maybe you've got a loved one, a spouse, a child, a parent, a friend, who has lived through it or is living through it right now, and you're with them. And this is the kind of darkness that seems oppressive, even overwhelming. But there can be light in that darkness. It may not feel like it right now, but there can be light, and that's what I want us to think about over the next couple of weeks, this Sunday and next Sunday, in the series that we're calling Light in the Darkness and how we as Christians can point to hope. We have some limitations in that, but I want us to think together about what we can do as the church and and to think a little bit more broadly than just depression about mental health as a whole and how we can pursue mental health as individuals and how as the church we can help people pursue mental health. And to get started with that, such a heavy topic, I want us to take a little quiz this morning to think through what we know about mental health. Now, this really comes from the website of the Centers for Disease Control. I totally ripped it off from them, okay? So you can look there to see it and to get a lot more resources because that's where a lot of the facts that I found came from as we talked through this this morning. So I want to encourage you to talk maybe to the person next to you, your spouse or child, friend, whoever's with you, and we'll, we'll talk about some of these answers together. So question number one, 10 questions all together. Poor mental health increases the risk for long-lasting physical conditions like A, heart disease, B, stroke, C, cancer, or D, all the above. You can talk, it's okay. The answer is D, all the above. It can lead to all of those things. Question number two. Mental illnesses are A, very common, B, not very common, or C, fairly common. The answer is A, very common. One in five Americans experience some kind of mental illness sometime in their lifetime. Okay, we may not think that's true, but there it is. uh, Number three, and this one is tough, suicide is the blank leading cause of death among people 15 to 34 in the United States. A, 24th, B, 10th, C, 40th, or D, 2nd? It is D. It is D. In 2017, there were 47,173 suicide deaths in the United States. That's a lot. It is overwhelming how many. Four, mental illness A cannot be treated or B can be treated. Of course, it's B. Many people can find significant improvement with proper treatment, and some will show no signs of mental illness after proper treatment. 
Number five, mental health is A, more than the absence of mental disorders, B, only important for some people, or C, an important part of overall health and well-being. C, it is C, it's part of who we are, it's part of our whole being, not just one part. Uh, number six, if you know someone with poor mental health, you can help by A, reaching out and letting them know help is available, B, helping them access mental health services, C, there's more answers here. C, learning and sharing the facts about mental health, especially if you hear something that isn't true, or D, all the above. Well, you might have guessed it's D, all the above. All those things are proper responses. Number seven deals with common misconceptions. People with mental, health, mental illness are violent. A, true, or B, false. It's B. Most people with mental illness display no more violent tendencies and are far more likely to be the victim of a violent crime than the general population. Number eight, half of all mental illness occurs before a person turns blank years old, and three quarters of mental illness begins before age 24. A, 14, B, 18, or C, 10. It's A, 14, so in the teens. Number nine, serious mental illness costs America how much in lost earnings per year? A, $193 billion, B, $20 million, C, $40 billion, or D, $1 billion. It's A, $193 billion. That's a huge amount. And then number 10, final question, mental illness is caused by A, personal weakness, B, a lack of willpower, or C, a number of factors including biology. Yeah, there you go. Oh, went away. Traumatic life events, long-lasting health conditions such as heart disease or cancer. In other words, it's a lot of different things, right? Lots of things can contribute to whether we have mental health or not, whether we're struggling with mental illness. So lots of things present there. But one of the factors that we saw there, facts, is that 20% of us will experience mental illness in some time in our life. But what are we talking about when we say that? need to think through that. It's a broad range of things. And, and when I list these again, this comes from the Centers for Disease Control. I'm not trying to label anybody, but these are the kinds of things that we're talking about. We have a long list of mental diseases and disorders, challenges to mental health. So all these things, anxiety dis disorders, ADHD, disruptive behavior disorders, depression, there's more on our list here, eating disorders, schizophrenia, and a range of things that go along with that, psychotic disorders, and substance abuse. Now, if you think of all those things together, most of us are touched, or someone we love has been touched, by one of those things. We are affected by this. And since it's so pervasive in our culture, it's something that we as a church need to deal with. Now, it's not easy to talk about. It's not fun to talk about, and yet it's so important that we need to have discussions about this. So I want us to do that this week and next Sunday and think a little bit about what our role is. Now, as we get started on that, there's several things that we need to keep in mind as we move forward. Number one, a sermon or a series of sermons is not proper treatment for mental illness, right? I mean, there's nothing I can say in 20 minutes just going to make somebody magically better. Like, listen to this sermon audio, you're going to feel better at the end of it. It doesn't work that way. But we can raise some awareness as we talk about this. Number two, I am not a mental health 
professional, okay? I've not been trained as a mental health professional. I'm not licensed in any way to deal with mental illness. I can talk as a friend, as a pastor, but that's not who I am. So anything I've learned, it's because I've done some research. I'm not trained in that area. Number three, the truth of Scripture does speak into this. Okay? We have some help in Scripture. Again, not to just magically make people, quote-unquote, better, but to help us walk through this. And that's what I want us to do. What does Scripture say that helps us as individuals struggling with mental health or us as people who love someone who's struggling with mental health? What does it say to us in the midst of all this? And to get at that, I'd like us to turn to a couple passages this morning from the book of Psalms. The Psalms is this great worship language that we see from the people of Israel thousands of years ago, and yet they deal with such common human emotions that I think it's helpful for us. This is what they used in worship to talk to God, okay? That's the language we're listening to. And the first one that I want us to hear is found in Psalm chapter 6, or Psalm 6 verses 6 and 7. It goes like this, I'm worn out from my groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Maybe you've had one of those nights. Maybe you've had lots of those nights. A long string of them. Where you didn't sleep because it's like so oppressive. Whatever it is you were thinking about or the range of things you were thinking about is just like taking you over. You didn't know what to do with it. You felt like this psalmist. And what strikes me about this is, it is worship language. Now there are plenty of psalms that we could turn to today that talk about something awesome that God has done, or the very awesome nature of God. And those are perfectly appropriate for worship, but guess what? There are psalms just like this one, that talk about emotional pain, that talk about hurting inside, and the people of Israel believed that it was appropriate for them to talk about that in worship as well. That it was okay for the people of God to talk about pain that they were feeling. That was appropriate for worship. That should speak to us. That it's all right to talk about our pain. One more that I want us to see. It's over in Psalm 102. It's verse 9. The psalmist says, For I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears. That's a bad day. It's a difficult day when we're thinking that way. But here again, here's a follower of God, someone who took faith in God seriously, and part of their response to life is, God, this is how I feel. This sadness is like I'm eating ashes all the time, like I'm drowning in my tears. God, it it feels like too much. It's okay for us to speak in this tone, and it's okay to take that kind of pain to God and talk to Him about it. That's what we need to hear today. And it leads us to this basic truth that I think is important for us. Emotional pain is real pain, and it's okay to talk about it. Emotional pain is real pain, and it's okay to talk about it. You know, here's the thing. I think when people come to us and they've broken a leg, we say, man, I bet that hurts, right? I mean, I imagine that would really hurt to break your leg. We We can sort of see how it would hurt. But when someone comes to us with pain that is emotional, when they're dealing with a mental health challenge, it's a little harder to see that. And if we're not careful, we dismiss it. It doesn't seem real. 
But the truth is, and the psalmists knew it, and since they knew it, we should know it, emotional pain is real pain. If you've been there, you know. You know how it hurts. It really hurts. And what we as the church need to understand is, it's okay for us to talk about it. We don't have to hide this. We don't have to pretend it's not there. We don't have to walk in church and pretend like everything is just perfect. It's just the way we want it to be. Sometimes we come to church and we are hurting. Sometimes we come to church because we're hurting. Because we know we need something that we don't have. And that's okay. And we as Christians should be prepared to talk about this. Now, I want us to respond to some of these struggles in this series on a couple of different levels. The first is, okay, what does this say to me personally? Um, What does it say to me as someone who's hurting or someone who is, is caring for someone who's hurting? And then how do we operate with this on the level of the church? So first, individually, what is this truth, this psalmist, what does this speak to us today? First of all, you may have had someone say something like, you shouldn't think that way. Or it's going to be okay. You shouldn't do that. Okay? I've probably said things like that. It's not so easy to turn our feelings off and on, is it? We can't just say, you know what, I don't think I'm going to feel that way today. I think today I'm just I'm going to be happy. It doesn't work that way. Emotional pain is real pain. And we ought to be able to talk about it. And so for us as individuals... What these passages and many more like them in the Psalms speak to us and say is, yeah, this is real stuff. It's not because you're just too weak to handle it. This is real pain and it needs to be treated. It needs to be dealt with. Okay? We, need to, we need to deal with what's going on inside and not ignore it because since it's real... It's okay to talk about, and you should be okay talking about this. We need to deal with it. Now, next week I want us to think a little more about how God works in the midst of this, all right? And how God can be at work in our lives. But for today, what I want us to recognize as individuals is I may have not wanted to talk about this. I may have wanted to keep it quiet. I may not wanted anybody in church to know, because what would they think, okay? No. It's real. We get it. And it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to talk about it. What does this say to us as a church? You know, sometimes, if we look back throughout Christian history, the church as a whole, not just our church, the church, we've been guilty of minimizing this. Uh, You know, when someone breaks a leg, we say, man, he broke his leg. Well, how'd he break it? This is how he broke it. This person's been diagnosed with cancer. Man, that stinks. Let's pray for them. And then when somebody confesses that they're dealing with some kind of mental illness challenge, well, suddenly we're talking in hushed tones, aren't we? It's like we don't want to speak about it. It's as if there's something to be ashamed of. That's not the way it should be. That needs to end in the church. Emotional pain is real pain, and it's okay to talk about it. And the sooner we make it okay to talk about, the sooner we make it easier to seek out treatment, to find ways to help. 
And that's what we need to do. If it's okay to talk about it, then we can help people get the help that they need. You know, there's a quote from Taylor Brown who directs CIY Mix that some of our kids go to during the summer. And this summer at one of the camps, he said this, the church isn't a place where the psychologically hurting can be fixed. In other words, we're not gonna fix everything in church. Here's the truth we need. It's a place where the psychologically hurting can be safe. Can be safe. Where it's okay to, to say, I'm hurting. Where it's okay to say, I need help. And so how does the church handle this? Here's what I'm thinking. You know, when somebody says, I broke my leg. Well, we say, have you been to the doctor? Because if you haven't, it would probably be a good idea, right? When somebody says, I've been diagnosed with cancer, what do we say? We say, how can I pray for you? How can I help you with this? How can I help your family? How can I support you? Do you need a ride to the doctor? Does your family need some meals? What can we do to help? I'm thinking when someone says, I'm struggling with a, with a mental health problem, what do we do? We say, have you been to the doctor? Because you might need some help with that. You, you need some proper treatment. I can't provide that, but you know what I can do? I can pray. And I can encourage you, and I can stand beside you as you walk through this. And if your family needs some meals, we can arrange that. We're going we're gonna to help out here. Pretty sure that's the same thing. You know, we as a church are called to love God and love others. And that's what this is about. Loving people who are in the midst of a hurting situation. Acknowledging the real pain that they're experiencing and then walking with them through that pain. This is where we begin. We begin by saying we're here with you. And there are resources to help. You know, maybe you're struggling today. You're here and you're hurting and you're thinking, how am I going to find some hope you know, we want to stand with you in that, but we also want to show you that there's some places to find help. And so on the sermon notes page of the bulletin today, there's a link that will take you to our website where we have listed some resources. You can scan the code there with your phone. It'll take you as well. The point is there's stuff out there to help. There are people who are waiting to help. The church can provide encouragement. The church can provide support, but the church does not provide proper treatment and we want you to get it. So if you're dealing with depression or some kind of eating disorder or an addiction or maybe you're thinking some suicidal thoughts, don't wait. This can be treated. Seek out treatment and let us stand beside you as you do. Because emotional pain is real pain. And it's okay for us to talk about it. Let's pray together. Now, this is hard for us to talk about. It's painful for some people to talk about. And God, we get that. You made us. You know what this is all about. You know our bodies and our souls and our spirits and our minds. You know how they're connected. So God, we bring all that to you today. And we pray for you to be at work. And we pray that you will create in us as a church a safe place for us to talk about this. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.